1: Welcome to Let's Talk Torah. I am Rabbi Tzwi Jacobson with NRM Streamcast. And we'll spend the next hour talking Torah, learning stuff, and having fun while we learn. If you'd like to contact the show, you can call us at 844-999-9249. That's 844-999-9249. Or you can email us. That's the easiest way to get through um, at Let's Talk Torah, no apostrophes, Let's Talk Torah at gmail.com. And I will gladly... Um, answer any of your questions, concerns, comments—all are welcome. So as the show is exploding, we're working on some new sponsors. Had an exciting meeting today. We're looking forward to some exciting news in the upcoming weeks and with some special, uh, different uh, segments we're going to put together. It's going to be—it's going to be wild. It's going to be amazing. New year, new stuff happening. We are all excited. But we're still smack dab in the middle of our holidays, so uh, yesterday was Yom Kippur. It's hard to imagine you didn't know yesterday was Yom Kippur. Um, so let's uh, we'll touch a little bit about uh, just uh, what's left over from the holiday. We got the Sukkot holiday coming up. Um, we got this week's Torah portion with the tail end. It's called a song with the tail end of the Torah. You see the Torah scroll now. Most of the scrolls on one side, very little on the on the left hand side. We'll talk about that. But let's uh, let's see what we got left over from Yom Kippur. So, um, again, depending where you pray, uh, where I pray, it's a whole day of fear. The fast started somewhere around quarter to seven. We begin with the Kol Nidre services around 640, 645. Um, everybody's dressed in white, and everybody's serious, and I spoke, and... Um, you go home, it's very emotional. There's like a lot of emotions. Like even when you're speaking to your family, one of the beautiful things that everybody spends time is asking everyone for forgiveness. It's a big deal. Um, yes, it's I got to make sure If bef- between me and God there's some issues. I got to ask God for forgiveness. But uh, even more important in the holiday is, what if I did something wrong to my friend? If I did something wrong to my friend, that must be corrected. And everybody's asking you, forgive me. Of course, they forgive you. And do you forgive me? And the kids and parents and and relatives and in-laws. It's really just a beautiful day. It's like almost funny. Like you go to your 10-year-old. Oh, do you forgive me? And of course, I forgive you. And they ask you, do you forgive them? And of course, we forgive you. But the whole concept, the whole just the, the, the emotions, the love, the feelings people in synagogue will ask each other, you forgive me. I forgive you. It's just a very warm, you know, just amazing feeling. It's true that it's a day spent fasting. It's a day spent in prayer. It's true, but if you if you miss out on the on the emotions of the day, on the inspirations of the day, of the of the fact that everybody needs to care about each other, right? If I'm asking you to forgive me, that means I care about you. That means you're important enough that I need your forgiveness, that my my being forgiven by God is hinging on you forgiving me if I did something wrong to you, that's a, a powerful statement. It's a statement that says how valuable every single person is to all of us, right? And a lot of times we walk around, you have the important people in the synagogue, the important people in the community, the leaders in the community, and you can feel that they, uh, that they, uh, that they don't care about me, they don't need me, I don't need them. But when people have to go around and they have to ask for forgiveness, so that means that I am important. and you do need me, and I need you. And it's a beautiful feeling. We talked about it last week. We spent time talking about uh, the snuff, that snuff box and the and those two people that uh, one was poor, one was rich, and then it switched over great story. You want to listen, check out last week's episode. Uh, the last probably seven or eight minutes of the episode, that's when we told the story. Great story. I think I told the story then. If not, it's early in the episode. But in any case, um, just the whole day, obviously, I keep harping on this because it really is important. And and you come away with a great feeling after the day. Even My son-in-law says, uh, he said to me, he was looking forward to the holiday. But it's a holiday where you're fasting. You're in synagogue if you're Orthodox. You're in synagogue the whole day, and you're praying the whole day. And you're and you're you're not really doing very much. So so to be excited about such a day is because there's there's something that comes along with a day, and that is I get to clean myself out. I get to uh, I get to start anew. It's a fresh start. But there's the emotions of. God loves me, my friends love me, my friends care about me, my family loves me, that maybe is one of the reasons why the Yom Kippur is such a special, integral day to the Jewish year. So again, I, as a kid, I dreaded it, maybe you dreaded it, but if you dread Yom Kippur, it's because you're really missing the boat on what the day is all about. The day is not about the fasting. The day is not about that I have to pray in synagogue all day. The what's the, the point of the day is my relationship with me and God, that God says, I'm here, come get a hug, and your relationship with, your, with, with people. It just makes the day a really amazing day. Um, as an aside, um, my wife actually... Um, got to enjoy, which is a very interesting word, but she also got to enjoy the Yom Kippur holiday this year. My youngest is now in third grade, so he's old enough that he can come to prayers with me. And even though he can't sit the whole day, it's too hard for him, but he went home with his older siblings, and uh, that way my wife also got to go to synagogue for the day. And she told me, she said she hasn't really been um, by a young Kippur services for 30 years. Because, and we teach that to our children, that's how we, I know a lot of people are not into this and it would bother many people, but that's not where I'm coming from. Um, a mother's job is first with her children. So someone's got to watch the children. Yes, I know, they're synagogues and and they, they have like babysitting rooms for the kids and stuff, it's all beautiful, it's very important. Don't get me wrong, but in my wife's world, she is taking care of her kids she's not dropping them off by some babysitter where they're gonna be upset or they're gonna cry or or they're sort of in jail so she could pray she can't pray that way it doesn't work for her she she has to she has to she can only pray when her mind is clear that the children are completely taken care of and they're not fighting and they don't have needs so till this year there were always children home since, pretty much since the first year, well, not the first year we married, since the second year we were married, she could not go to the services. And she's not letting my teenage girls babysit so she can go, her teenage girls, they can go to pray if they want. She's not, they're not her uh, servants. So this was the first year she actually got to enjoy. Um, it was interesting. You know, yesterday was a day where she would usually sleep late because why wake up early when... You know, the kids are around, and she doesn't have to wake up early for them. But yesterday, she actually got to wake up early, watched all of us file out of the house so we would go pray. There was a different place she wanted to go pray. And I'm not insulted that she didn't hear me lead the prayers. She needed to be in a place where there's a lot of people, four or 500 people with a lot of noise, and, a, and she loved it. And they actually finished the services in the evening about 40 minutes after we finished. So I came home took care of all my children, gave them what to eat, made their eggs, buttered or put cream cheese on their toasted bagels, and gave them cake to eat. And I waited till my wife came home. She came home about 40 minutes later. You saw the shine on her face. She was so happy that she was able to, to be a part of the Yom Kippur service, where she could pray at her pace, no one bothering her, she loved it. She, it. was So again, if, if you look at Yom Kippur as a troublesome, burdensome, like one of these things you have to do, it's, you know, I feel bad for you. You're going to have to call me or, or email me. I'll see what I can do to help you. But it's one of these days that really, really, there's a lot of great stuff to be taken away. But okay, that's Yom Kippur. Yom Kippur is now behind us. Um, So I thought for for a few minutes, even though uh, there's so many other things to talk about, but I did want to throw this in for a few minutes. Um, We're actually about a month into the school year. A lot of times, the way the high holidays come out, they come out like the very beginning of the school year. But we're actually about a month in, start school at the beginning of uh, September. We're already uh, a week and a half into October. So your children have had a chance to get acclimated to their classroom, get acclimated to their teachers. Hopefully they like their teachers. But one thing that's important that as parents we have to recognize, you are your child's advocate. The only one that is going to fight for your child is you. If you are not going to fight for your child, no one's fighting for your child. Now, some of us are blessed with children that are the perfect students and they do no wrong and they do all their homework on time and they're smart and they don't need our help and and they're just like little robots coming back and forth and life is beautiful. But <clears throat> for the rest of us, um, your children do need your help. <clears throat> Sorry about clearing my throat over there. Um... I did lead the services yesterday, the morning service and part of the afternoon service. So uh, the voice is a little rough. So I keep drinking. And uh, a friend of mine who always leads the services, he lost his voice before uh, Yom Kippur. He had to get uh, somebody to stand in for him. But in any case, so I apologize if my voice is is a little rougher than usual. But, you know, so goes life. We talk, we study, we teach, we pray. It's all whatever it takes. But in any case, so you are your child's advocate. So that means like this. That means your child comes home. Let's talk homework. I love talking homework because I give homework. My own children don't always do their homework. Don't tell their teacher. That's me. So your child needs help. So there's a few normal reactions. Didn't your teacher teach this to you? How come you don't know the answer to this? Um, that statement will guarantee that your child is not coming back for help on homework. If they don't know their homework, it's just going to lead to not doing well on tests. They don't know. It happens. They don't always get it the first time. They don't always get it the second time. And sometimes they're not good students. Not all our children are good students. You're their parents. It is your job. It is your responsibility to help your child. You don't have enough time you want to go out and party you know, and, or whatever, go out to eat, go out to study, go out to with friends. It's all very nice and beautiful, but you had these children. So these children are your responsibility. And if they don't know the work and they need your help, you got to help them. Um, I do this with my children all the time. Now, I forewarn my children. There are times we all have different jobs, and sometimes our jobs do not allow us to always be available. So I tell my children, I said, I will make time for you, but you, you got to give me more than a day's notice. You can't come in to, and, and tell me you have a test tomorrow, and I must study for three hours with you, and I don't have those three hours. If you would have told me four days earlier, and everybody knows a few days in advance, I will make time for you. And that's what I do. I make time for my children. Which, by the way, means if I'm going to be studying my children and making time for them and doing the same math that I've done for a 100 years, even though now they changed the math, so I'm not so good at it, and then I need help. And I tell them, I said, this stuff, guys, I don't know this math. we got to get someone to help us. But, um, but I will make the time for them for what I'm equipped and capable of doing. If I have to get them a tutor, I get them a tutor. But I make time for them. And I never say to them, how come you don't know how to do this? People who say that, a lot of times, they don't know the material themselves. They're embarrassed. Let's not be embarrassed. Let's say, I would love to help you on this kind of math. I just don't know what I'm supposed to do. Let's call someone and see if we can get help. But your children want to know that you care. They don't want to hear you yelling at them. They don't want to hear complaints. Then they don't want to do homework. This way, my children know. We're going to study over this first. We're going to go over these, these Hebrew words. They don't know the word, I feed it to them. I tell them the answer. They have to do homework. I figure out the equation for them. I give them the answer. Who cares? If we kill them to, that to, they have to be fully, yes, I know, they're supposed to be responsible. And we're supposed to teach them responsibility, all beautiful stuff. But if all we do is, is force them to be responsible that we're not helping, they're not coming to you for help. And then you wake up 30 years later and, oh, you know, I never talked to my kid. How come my kid never calls me? Because when your child needed you, you weren't there. So when you want your child, well, they learned from the best. And they learned uh, to also not be there. So you got to be there. We talked about this many times. We had these um, stories we talked about. I think we put up on the video. Um, it was a great story. It was a Japanese man. And he's um, I think he's sitting next to his daughter texting. And... Um, And he wants to learn how to use a computer, and he doesn't really understand. And the daughter says, I taught you already, and and how come you keep asking me to teach you again, and why did you get it done the first time? So he sends her a picture of a bicycle and her riding the bicycle. And he reminds you, you know, you didn't get bicycle the first time, the second time, the third time. You didn't get bicycle right away. So who was the one standing there over and over and over again, encouraging but helping? It was your father. So now I'm asking for a favor. So help me. Anyways, it was a good lesson. In any case, again, so you you have to help your children. You have to go ahead. They need help in the homework. Help them. Make them feel good about it. If they need help, just give them the answers. Help Explain what happens. Okay, this is how you do the problem. This is how you figure out. This is called a good sentence. Whatever you're good at doing. And if you're not good at that stuff, try to figure it out with them. Maybe you could figure it out. How'd you get this answer? Help them study, but do it in a pleasant, nice way. Just be nice. Don't be grumpy. Don't be angry at them. Don't yell at them because they don't know. So they don't know. There's reasons they don't know. Maybe there's learning disabilities. I don't know. But there's reasons they don't know. So help them because as soon as you give them a hard time, they're not coming back to you. Like, why should they? To get yelled at? They don't need that. Once we're talking about being an advocate, if you could do homework with them and you could talk to them and you could deal with them, well, guess what? If you look at their face and you see something's bothering them, they'll talk to you because you helped them with the homework. You helped what they needed. They see you don't yell at them when they do something wrong in the homework or you don't yell at them when they don't know the material. So if you don't yell at them when they don't know the material, then guess what? You won't yell at them when they tell you, I have a problem with my teacher. Oh, what's the problem? Let's see how we can deal with this. I have a problem with friends. Oh, let's try to figure out what the problem is. Let's see how we can deal with this. Who can we call? Who can we talk to? Sometimes they just need you to listen. Like listening is the first step. But after you listen, you can ask them, how can I help you? There's all kinds of ways we teach social skills. And here comes Music. We talk Yom Kipper, We talk children. We got to get ready to talk about the Sukkot holiday coming up. We got to get ready to talk about the, this week's Torah portion. You're listening to Rabbi Tzu on Let's Talk Torah. So hold through the break and we're going to be right back.
0: Hey, how are you? I'm Gerald Valley, and I want to invite you to listen, watch, share my new show, The Drop-In. It is going to cover skate, music, culture, actually all sports. I have some great guests lined up, and it's to inspire and motivate people to make the most of this life we have. Check out the inspiration, the stoke, and the life of the Drop-In with Gerald Valley. You, what happened? We're at C2E2 with the legendary Chris Claremont. Greetings, my fellow geeks. My name is Jordan Travillion, and this is Get It to the Geeks. We're here with David Yost, the original blue Power Ranger. Nobody right. promised you when you bought the thing on PS4 that you could play it on Nobody, Switch. But your, your excuse is garbage. I'm gonna pull out my crossbow. All right, sweet chainmail armor. Let's see what you got. Welcome back to Pop That Culture. That's the horror movie. (laughs) Bury the phone in the fat cemetery. It's got a cord. (laughs) What is going on, ladies and gentlemen? Thank you for tuning in to the drop-in today. Then you get off your couch and you make life happen. Hello, folks. Welcome to the Greg Russell Movie Show. When I have a couple cocktails,
1: everything's funnier.
0: (laughs) I still just love that line. Producer, director, how did this whole thing come about for you?
1: And we're back! So we wrapped up Yom Kippur. We talked to our children, which is something I always like to talk about. And now let's start talking about the upcoming Sukkot holiday, which starts um, next Sunday night. So it's really right around the corner. Today is Thursday afternoon. We got to get ready. So interesting of all the holidays, there's actually two parts to the Sukkot holiday. There's the hut, which we'll talk about. And then there's the four species—the palm branch and the citron and the etrog—that we shake. So, let's take some time. Let's talk about it. And let's keep it simple. So, first things first: What is this holiday? What's going on? Where's it coming from? Obviously, coming from the Torah. But but what's going on? So let's 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 take it piece by piece. It was interesting outside. We were talking before the show. It's not my show prep, but I was talking with with uh, when Buzz was out there and Jess was out there and Kill was out there, so we're talking about that the holiday happens to be um, it, all the Jewish holidays do revolve not including the high holidays that's separate, but they do revolve around the 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 agricultural society. So Passover is when I'm doing the harvesting and and the, the sukkot holiday is when i'm gathering everything in everything's been left out in the fields it's dried out over the summer uh, the rainy season is about to begin interesting my daughter told me it rained in israel last week which is very very rare that it should actually rain before the sukkot season generally speaking the rain season starts about two weeks after sukkot generally not always, but that's the general of what's always been happening. It's Sukkot is pretty late this year, but uh, it doesn't rain in Israel during the summer. You need to leave things in the field, at least in the olden days. You left stuff in the field to dry, to all your winnowing and threshing and the whole farming process. So the Sukkot holiday is when all the food is ready to be gathered into the silo, so your your work over the last six to nine months has now come to fruition. That's a pretty cute play on words. Um, so I have all my produce. I'm going to store it up. This is my my food now for the winter, my seeds for the next planting season. Uh, this is where I'm going to make my money now. I can sell things in the market. Now is when I, I've got what to show for all my hard work. So the Sukkot holiday becomes the holiday where we say thank you to God for helping us with a successful year of I mean it's, oh, go back on last year right so it was a successful planting harvesting bringing everything in season so the holiday therefore becomes a, a a a harvest thank you right the goal is that everybody has to say thank you God for making sure I was successful this year we're not so used to that because we work year round we, we get you know monthly bi-monthly pay weekly paychecks So we're forever getting paid. They didn't forever get paid. It was almost like, you know, your doctors or lawyers that the main payment comes at the end of the year. So they also were that way, that this was the season where now we're getting paid. So what do we have to do? So we're going to leave our house and we're going to go into what we call a temporary hut. Now, they're not so temporary nowadays. Now they're built uh, pretty sturdy and... And they're pieces and they're fiberglass or they're wood or, their, or in my case, I happen to have a, a porch. My backyard, I built a porch and have half walls and then I, I stick boards into like the windows and I latch them in. And then I get my what's called schach. I get the my bamboo mats that I roll over the top. Even by myself, I can put together the whole thing in under an hour and a half. And I'm pretty careful. Things are neat, and I put it away. And but uh, some people are have fancy ones, or bigger, bigger ones, or heavier ones. takes a little bit longer. They need some kids to help, them, whatever. So that's this It's considered temporary. It's obviously not a real roof because if it rains, it's coming in. And if the bees want to get in, the bees are getting in, or the or the yellow jackets, as my somebody told me recently, that we don't have bees coming into our Sukkot. And uh, if it's cold outside, it's going to be a little chilly. You might need a jacket, might need a coat. If it's hot outside, it's going to be hot. You don't have air conditioning. It's not obviously built for those things. It's temporary. So, first of all, where does it come from? Obviously, the Torah says to do it, so we're doing because the Torah says. But, but why? Why this season? What's going on? So, first things first, it goes back to when we left Egypt. When we left Egypt, so God is, is traveling. He's having us travel with him through the desert. So when you travel through the desert, first things first, um, you are not building houses in the desert, right? Anything you're going to build, tents, whatever it's going to be, is going to be extremely temporary because the way the system worked in the desert, officially we're on our way to the land of Israel. If we're on our way to the land of Israel, you're not building yourself a mansion because by the time you finish building, you might be traveling again. So, like, what would be the point of building that mansion? So, reason number one that we live in these temporary houses, temporary huts, is to remember that when we traveled in the desert. We knew that at any time we could be on the move. Since at any time we could be on the move. So, um, so we were used to being temporary. So since we were temporary, we're going to move into a hut to remember how God took care of us in the desert as we moved from place to place. That happens to be um, in the 40 years in the desert, we were in one location for 19 years. But God didn't tell us how long we were going to be there. So, you lived in a temporary hut tent, whatever you lived in, um for nineteen years. So, reason number one again, why what we're remembering, we are remembering that when we traveled in the desert, it was we were living in a temporary, um, I guess, uh, in a temporary hut because you didn't know if, in an hour, in two hours, in a day, in three days, in a week, in a month, if you'd be traveling. so you so therefore, that's how we traveled, that's how we lived in the desert, and God took care of us, that's number one. Second thing to remember is when we traveled in the desert, we had what was called those clouds of glory. The, the whole Jewish camp was surrounded by these clouds. Um, you couldn't walk through them. You couldn't see through them. So if outsiders came, they couldn't get in. I was, even when it talks about there was like other nations wanted to start up with the Jewish people, you couldn't start up with anybody that was in the cloud. In the cloud, you couldn't touch me. You couldn't get through. The Egyptians, through their, threw their missiles and their swords and their spears, it all bounced off, right? You could not get through the clouds. Now, if somebody did something uh, that was wrong, was thrown out of the camp. So then he was outside of the clouds. But for the most part, everybody's in the clouds. And you can't you can't touch me. I'm in those clouds. I'm safe. So God protected us in these clouds, and there were on the four sides. There was a cloud on top, and there was a cloud on bottom. So so I, I well that's how God set it up. The the temperature was perfect. The um, I didn't have to worry about rain. Didn't have to worry about heat. Didn't have to worry about cold. I was protected. So because of that special protection. The, we have these four walls and we're going to have the schach on top and it's all again to remind us how God took care of us in the desert so we, so that's good for that we were in the clouds so one of the famous questions is So, but we got those clouds when we left Egypt and again when we left Egypt we had to be traveling why is now the time that we celebrate this holiday so there's a few different reasons One I really told you that god wants a celebration for agricultural to thank to thank him for the the produce that everything is ready everything's being put away so this becomes a time where we thank god now by the way the ceiling the roof is made of things that grow from the ground whether it's trees or grass or or other stuff or, or these humongous palm branches they have in israel they're like 10 feet long very pointy you gotta wear gloves very thorny I don't know if you've ever seen them. Like you buy four of them and it covers like a humongous area of your roof. But in any case, so that's reason number one. Reason number two is um, especially if they're reminding us of the clouds of glory. So, um, so what happened was interesting enough. Um, we got the clouds of glory when we left Egypt. And we traveled through the Red Sea. And we traveled in the desert. And we get to Mount Sinai. And then we did the sin of the golden calf. When we do the sin of the golden calf, we no longer deserve those clouds. So Moses has to go back up. Now, we did the sin of the golden calf, um, believe it or not, 120 days before the Sukkot holiday. So, I'm sorry, 80 days. 80 days before the Sukkot holiday. Now Moses gets the Torah. On And then 40 days later, we do the golden calf. Moses goes back up to pray another 40 days. And then Moses goes up a second time for 40 days and 40 nights um, to get the second tablets and get God's forgiveness. And we talked about that, that God forgives. We talked about it last week. That God forgave the Jewish people, and that's Yom Kippur. Moses comes down with the instructions for the tabernacle. So he gives the instructions for the tabernacle the day after Yom Kippur. We collect the great worlds. We've talked about this in the past, the world's greatest fundraiser, that all the material that was necessary for the tabernacle was collected in two days. So you have the day after Yom Kippur, we're told the instructions. Two more days, we do the collecting. And then one on that last day, when they did all the, the calculations, they said, we got enough stuff. So they said, okay, stop the collecting. And on the following day which is the 15th day of Tishrei, Yom Kippur is the 10th day, this is the 15th day of, of, uh, of Tishrei, we are now ready to begin building. Since we're ready to begin the building, so with a lot of things, that's how God works. You start. God knows the direction you're going. He knows what you're looking to accomplish. As long as you've started on a real project, you get credit as if you're done with the project. So the Jewish people were ready to begin building the Mishkan. Here comes my music. We're ready to begin building the Mishkan. Now they're ready to begin building the tabernacle. God says, I look like you build it. You now deserve the clouds of glory. And therefore, that is this season. That's why we have Sukkot during this season. So we're trying to get through as much as we could. You're listening to Rabbi Tzuya on Let's Talk Torah. And we're going to be right
0: back. Do you want to see things like this? Did you just say you died? <laughs> well, I mean technically. Or maybe even something like this. We'll do nothing but destroy your corpses and burn them all for my dogs. Your dogs are gone. And sometimes, a little of this. We need to have a talk. I take my axe and I smash it. No! <laughs> and check out Podquesters, the show where we tackle ghoulish goblins, fiendish foes, and dangerous drakes. Oh, like the singer? No, the dragon creature. Anyways, Podquesters Fridays, only on NewRadioMedia.com.
1: Welcome back to Who's Got Chutzpah? I'm your host, Rabbi Tzwi Jacobson. And are you ready? Oh. Andy, what holiday is this associated with? Oh, boy. Uh. Uh. Sukkot? I'm sorry, that's not the answer we were looking for. Whitney, for the win. Can you tell us which holiday is this? I know. Shavuot. No, I'm sorry. I've got the answer. Ta-da! What? My show, Let's Talk Torah, where we talk Torah, holidays, faith, and all the things that help us live our life. That's Let's Talk Torah, Thursdays at 3 p.m.
0: That's pretty good. So we see a guy running down to first base, and it's, it well, turns into straight. a hobble. Get yeah, umped. I mean that's getting <laughs> bumped. That, that can't be the same guy. Can't be the same guy. Why are we here? What makes a person truly good? For those answers, you're going to have to take a philosophy class. But if you're more interested in who would win in a fight between R2D2 and a Dalek, watch Get It To The Geeks.
1: And we're back And I have so much stuff to talk about And I, I don't know how I'm going to get through all this stuff The answer is, I will not But I will pick I will cherry pick Some of these things that I very, very much want to talk about and, uh, and we'll see what we have time for But we're going to try our very best But I'm going to move off of Sukkot We talked about Where the holiday comes from, we talked about the huts. We a little bit talked about what they look like. Um, We didn't touch on the palm branches yet, and the citron, the etrog, we'll try to get there. But I do want to just for a few minutes touch on this week's Torah portion. There's only two Torah portions left till we complete this cycle of reading the Torah portion. Um, We complete the cycle of the Torah portion on the Simchat Torah holiday, which is the end of Sukkot, so again, it's interesting. At the same time, we're so happy and thanking God for all the produce and all the things He's taking care of us. That's the time where we also thank God for completing the Torah. So, and it's not the time when we got the Torah. It's not even the time when Moses dies, and the Torah is officially finished being written. But the way the cycle that the rabbi set up, it ends on Simchat Torah, and everybody dances and flags, and whatever you know about it, we'll see if we have time. It's on my list. Uh, I'm trying, I don't know if I'm gonna get there. Uh, but then with the second to last Torah portion, it's called Hazinu. Hazinu is called a song. If you've ever seen them lift up a Torah scroll, so you basically, the Torah scroll is Hebrew letters. And it's columns and columns and columns, and there's there's some paragraph breaks and there's bigger breaks and there's smaller breaks. Um, that's the general way a Torah scroll is written. However, the um, this Torah portion called Hazinu um, is actually written completely different. It's called it's written as a song, but it's actually written as two narrow columns with a white space in between. So instead of your your longer um, column of anywhere between 25 and 30 letters, you actually have two small columns right on top of each other with a white space in between. So it's written very different than when I read for the Torah this morning. I need my pointer because otherwise your eyes, at least my eyes sometimes, have a hard time following across the line and getting down to the next line. So I happen to use a pointer. It helps me out. So it's called a song. It's really very fascinating what the song is all about. The song basically says how God chose the Jewish people and he gave them the the Torah and the importance of the Torah and the Jewish people are supposed to study the Torah and they're supposed to follow the laws and then the Jewish people will decide, because life is good, which is always what happens, when life gets too good, we don't need the Torah anymore, we don't need God because life is good. I need God when life is not so good. When life is good, what do I need God for? So then God will get angry at us because we're showing we don't need him, we don't need his Torah. And then the nations of the world, one after another, will get their turn to, uh, to uh, make war with the Jewish people, make the Jewish people suffer. The different tragedies have happened over history. And then, then God has a fascinating line in the song. He says that the reason why the nations of the world will not be successful is because they blame it on themselves. Instead of saying, oh, look what the Jewish people, they're not listening to God. So God's letting us um, have our way with them. um, Those nations say, "Eh, I can do whatever I want. I'm in control. So God can't allow the nations of the world to say they're in control when God is just using those nations to punish the Jewish people. So therefore, God will turn around and punish them and we get a chance again. And this, unfortunately, has been... I mean, again, the song was written 3,300 years ago. And uh, this has been a—it's amazing, right? It's been a cycle of the Jewish people over and over and over and over again. As you would think, we would learn our lesson. And you might think the nations of the world might learn their lesson. But what you can learn even more is that it's been a prophecy. There's there's no nation out there that gets— persecuted and conquered and then comes back and they gets persecuted and conquered and thrown into exile and comes back and they gets persecuted and exiled and comes back it, that doesn't happen there, there, you, you can look through your history books even the powerful nations don't really exist anymore they come and go and then they completely disappear while we come and go and that's the prophecy of this song is the point we're calling it a song. But the point of the song is a prophecy, and the prophecy is to remind us we're still here. The Jewish people are still here, the Torah is still here. It hasn't disappeared, hasn't gone anywhere. It's not a religion that's spread out all over the world. We're just the Jewish people. We're exiled. We've been exiled before. We come home, we get exiled again. I mean, I'm not saying this is a blessing. that's like, you know, it's not good. But the fact that we continue to exist, and that's what this Torah portion is talking about. That in itself becomes a, a, a fascinating lesson in and of itself. So there's all kinds of very famous verses as an interesting one because we're talking about the Sukkot holiday, we're talking about rain. And that is that the the, um, the Torah refers to Torah as rain. So a, a lot of things, are Torah is compared to a lot of things. because it, it could be fire, it could be rain, it could be other stuff. Why rain? What's so special about rain? So rain, again, we do not live in agricultural society. So we may not understand the importance of water, but farmers do. And there are places in America where they're they're in drought situations, they do recognize. A farm survives on water. The water's got to come from somewhere. Eventually it's going to come from rain. If your fields are dried out, you can't get the water to your fields, you'll lose. You have no water, you have no fields. See, you wake up in the morning, or maybe you woke up yesterday and you decided that you want, I don't know, bread. You decided you want cereal. You decided you would like some fruits and vegetables if you're like me. Um, you're into your avocados and tomatoes. Those only exist because it rained somewhere, and there are farms somewhere that are taking that rain, and they're 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 growing all the produce and eventually that produce makes its way to our grocery store but but without that rain we are all dead we're all dead we live because we have rain so rain is really life and torah is life so that becomes the comparison torah and rain and there's different kinds of rain. There's the soft rain that comes down. It just sinks into the ground. And, the, and certain types of uh, trees and other things need a harder rain. And, and we need the, the, the deluge, uh, deluge of rains to fill up our, our, uh, our system. I'm saying cisterns. I don't mean cisterns. Our, our reservoirs. We need different kinds of rain for different situations but but one of the rains is very soft rain it comes down it's very soft it's very gentle and Torah also by the way when we deal with children especially young children has to be very soft we have to speak softly we have to treat them gently they can't handle the, the rough stuff, the hard stuff, let it come down simple. Let, 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 let's feed it to them in a, in a nice way. They'll get older. The, I, can, I, can, I can be a little tougher. I can be stronger. I can give them more information, things they didn't know. But So the different types of RAIN is really the way we de- deal with our children, with our students. The younger ones have to be soft. They get a little bit older. It can be a little bit harder RAIN. They get a little bit older. We explain there's real responsibilities out there. So that's the beautiful comparison of water and of water and Torah, and that's one of the hints at the very, very beginning of this week's Torah portion. Okay, so I had to make sure we got the Torah portion. I wanted to get that in; otherwise, I would skip it completely. Um, let's get back to Sukkot. So many beautiful things at Sukkot. Um, so it's about the hut. So in Detroit, and I probably talk about this every year. There's a a beautiful. I guess the custom. It's beautiful. The children um, will do what's called sukkah hopping. What does sukkah hopping mean? That means they're going to walk through the neighborhood. They're going to knock on people's sukkah. Or they won't knock, by the way. And they're going to walk in. And there'll usually be some type of candy or nash or chips or cookies or something. They'll come in and they'll make a blessing and they'll eat and they'll... If the if the if the person is home, he'll talk to the kids. If not, the kids will take the candy, move on to the next sukkah, and they go through the neighborhoods. It's beautiful. It's just beautiful. They're just coming. They say hello. They're lo- they're lively. They're friendly. They're happy. Uh, they make a blessing. They say thank you. They. It's just beautiful. It's beautiful. Just just the that concept. that children don't get this confused with Halloween, please. This has nothing to do with Halloween. Um, there's no trick or treats, no tricks. There's no uh, you have to be in a costume. You just come to your neighbor's house, have a candy, make a blessing, right? You got to give me something for come my treat. You got to make a blessing, and uh, and that's what you do. You come, you go, you move along. It's all in in it's all good. It's all nice. It's all friendly. It's all happy. Um, some people, the kids know this one has this kind of candy. This one has that kind of candy. There's more people going through his sukkah. There's less people. Sometimes when the kids come in, we'll talk for a few minutes, what are you studying, who's here uh, for the holidays, who's visiting. Um, I okay. This is not a sukkah hopping, but my class will come to my sukkah. Um, I made a rain day. I want it to be Tuesday. I'm afraid it's going to rain on Tuesday here in Detroit. So I, I switched it to I switched to Monday. My class will come and I'll teach them songs and I'll and I'll uh, and I'll tell them stories and I'll have not so much the candy, but there'll be chips and there'll be cookies and there'll be wafers and and a lot of my grandchildren will also be here. So they will be like the locust. They will just devour um, whatever gets on the table. But everybody's happy. Everybody's good. And we'll have soda on the table here in Detroit. You gotta call pop. So that will be all over the place. So it's just a fun, like like we told about children earlier, that we, we want to do things on the holidays that the children are excited for the holiday. There's good feeling, there's good stuff, there's good fun. They look forward to the holiday. Children look forward. If, if your children can look forward to the holiday, you win. They enjoy the holiday. They'll want to teach their children about the holiday. They're happy that there's a holiday. That's what it's all about. If your kids look at the holiday as a trouble, as a bother, so what makes you think they're going to continue to teach their children about a holiday that they didn't like? Like, exactly what makes you think that's going to happen? Why is it going to happen? How is it going to happen? It's not going to happen. So we need to do things. There's so many fun, exciting things when we get to the holiday. Do things to make them enjoy the holiday. And we have this sukkah hopping, or the classes will go to their teachers, and they'll, they'll, uh, and, and they'll have a party. There's something else we do called a simchas or simchat base hashoeva, which is another word for party. It's really to remember that in the temple there was a water sacrifice. Interesting, they would actually take a pitcher of water and pour it into a hole on top of the altar. And the people would dance and dance and sing for hours every night. There'd be torches, and the city of Jerusalem would be lit up. And it was a big deal. It was a big, festive holiday. So we really um, do the same thing. Every evening, uh, people will make, in a private sukkah, or a synagogue will make in a in, in a public place, and there'll be music, and there'll be dancing, and people will talk, and people will enjoy, and there'll be food and camaraderie, all things to say, please enjoy the holiday. You gotta you gotta enjoy the holiday. That's what it's about. It's, it's not about uh, just being busy and having to cook and, and having to, to have people around. You can't go back to work. You can't do stuff. It's about enjoying the holiday. It's about enjoying family. It's about enjoying your children. If you can teach your children to enjoy the holiday, if you... You're not doing the holiday because my parents did it and their parents did it. All right, here comes my music. But we're going to enjoy. We're going to enjoy. The kids are going to enjoy. Everybody's going to enjoy. Holidays are fun. That's the way it's supposed to be. We're up against it. I'm in my last segment. Lots of things happening in the last segment. So stay through the break. You listen to my Mighty on last October, and we're going to be right back.
0: Welcome back to Pop That Culture. That's the horror movie. (laughs) Bury the phone in the fat cemetery. It's got a (laughs) card. What is going on, ladies and gentlemen? Thank you for tuning in to the drop-in today. Then you get off your couch and you make life happen. Hello, folks. Welcome to the Greg Russell Movie Show. When I have a couple cocktails, everything's funnier. (laughs) I still just love that line. Producer, director, how did this whole thing come about for you? We see a guy running down to first base, and it's, it, it turns into straight. a hobble. Get yeah, umped. I mean that's getting <laughs> humped. That, that can't be the same guy. Can't be the same guy. How are you? I'm Gerald Valley, and I want to invite you to listen, watch, share my new show, The Drop In. It is going to cover skate, music, culture, actually, all sports. I have some great guests lined up, and it's to inspire and motivate people to make the most of this life we have. Check out the inspiration, the stoke, and the life of The Drop In with Gerald Valley.
1: And We're back and time is flying, but they gave us like an extra five seconds uh, Somehow at the end of the break. So that's good. We need all the time we got. So first things first uh, Check out right behind me. There should be a new poster um, We're up to the letter race uh, the race is an R sound and interesting enough. It's um, It's like a backwards R. I just had to check myself just to remember a backwards lowercase r. So interesting, because the same sound, they're both R. The, uh, we're looking at a race. It is uh, towards the end of the alphabet. Its numerical value is 200. And again, it makes that R sound. What's interesting is, whichever country you come from, um, if you're from New York, the R is softer, the Midwest a little bit harder. If you're from uh, Mexico or Spanish-speaking countries, it's more of a rolled um, R sound. But in any case, Um, I thought a great word this week is regesh. Regesh means feeling. And hopefully, um, we've given you a lot of feeling today. We talked about the feelings of Yom Kippur, that are important to have, the good feelings. We've been talking about the good feelings over a holiday, that we want to have good feelings. We want our children to have good feelings. We've talked about children with homework. And we've talked about children should have good feelings. So all this good feeling stuff is all a perfect fit with our word of the week, which is Regesh, and our letter of the week. That's Reesh. All fantastic. So we've started our new segment. We've started our trending uh, news. What's trending what in the news? Are you kidding me? You're kidding me. you got to be kidding me. Are you kidding me? Okay, you got to be kidding me. That went pretty fast. Um, I found two things this week. I don't know if I have time for both. I'm going to try. Um, you know, it's really hard with all the politics out there. But I get through all the garbage, and I find the important trending news. Here's one for you. Glenn um, Glenlivet, if you're familiar with their work, Glenn Glenlivet is one of the big scotches. Um, they've created a seaweed capsule um, filled with whiskey. Now, the problem is it looks like the Tide Pods, so it made people very nervous that the children get confused. And, and they, that was that game they were playing with the Tide Pods. It's like poison. No Tide Pods. These are... Um Scotch pod. so instead of sitting there with a nice glass with some ice in the glass and a, and a couple uh, fingers of scotch, um, they want you taking the scotch in this little pouch, which is uh, I guess a seaweed based or something, and you put it in your mouth and you get the the explosion of scotch. So the question is, do I like that? Is that a good idea that we're just popping? Scotch. I mean, you know, it's food. It's not like anything else. But my father wouldn't like it. He liked to enjoy his drink. I don't know if he would have enjoyed a, a, a capsule filled with scotch. I don't know. I'm sure people who liked them would tell me he would have liked it. I don't know if he would have liked it. Um, but if you think about it, by the way, um, in the Jewish religion, um, there is drinking involved. On the, on the altar, they would pour wine. I told you in the last segment they poured water as a sacrifice, but every day they poured wine as a sacrifice. There was a concept of pouring wine. Um, We make the kiddush before every holiday, before the Sabbath. We take a cup of wine and we make a blessing by almost uh, not almost, but many many commands by a wedding, by a circumcision, by uh, when we redeem a firstborn, other commands out there, we take a glass of wine. So there's what to be said for the glass of wine, the cup of wine. We raise our cups. So, uh, you know, it's okay if you want once in a while this, this scotch-filled capsule, but let's not lose sight of the fact that the Torah clearly likes the idea of of a, a cup of wine and a glass of wine and, and schnapps or whatever. You know, people have a little, a little cup by what's called a kiddush. So all these things are important and uh, good to think about. That was one of my trending news. One um, well, more trending news. We'll just do this one quickly. Um, there was actually a man who accidentally got shot. He wanted to surprise his father-in-law. So it seems it's down in Florida. The man's from Norway or something, and he, he went to surprise his father-in-law and jumps out from behind a bush and says, Surprise, and his father-in-law did not know who he was, and he shot him. So uh, as a good lesson. Um, happens to be in the Torah. Interesting, by the way. Um, the, the Torah says if, if a robber is tunneling, into a house so you're allowed to kill the robber because you have to be afraid he's going to kill you. The Torah says the exception is a father and a son because a father would never kill a son. Clearly we see here that a son-in-law, by the way, has more what to be worried about. But more important is, and we discuss it at home all the time, don't surprise someone when you're going to visit. Not because they're going to shoot you. That's a not normal story. Um, The reason why you don't want to surprise somebody is because why can't they enjoy why can't they enjoy the fact that you're uh, coming to visit? Hey, if I'm going to visit my mother, visit my sister, so let her enjoy a whole day, a whole week that I'm coming. So look at the benefit you get from all that extra time that the person is coming. So I just thought that's like a, like a, a good lesson to, to keep in mind. Um, I have about two minutes to get through a story. It's, it's really a parable. I said last week, I told you last week we were teaching children about their talents. So here's a quick story for you. It's really a parable, but a great lesson. So it was a king that he went to four of the most talented people and he said, I have this big throne room and each of you has to take care of one wall. And um, you're going to do whatever you want. I'm going to give you all the money you need. And whoever makes the most beautiful piece of art on that wall will receive gold. So the painter's going in and he's painting and the, the sculptor is sculpturing things and metals and the tapestry guy is tapestrying, and there's another guy. He's just, you know, sitting up and he's drinking his coffee and having a Danish and stuff and he's, uh, you know, not working too hard. The other three, after three weeks of 24 hours, they clean all their stuff out and the guy, the fourth guy, he brings in his stuff the night of and the next morning the king comes in and all his uh, retinue is there with him and they look at the painter's wall, and it's, uh, it's amazing, paint, beautiful, mural, it's fantastic, beautiful, colors, and the king says, well done. And they look at the, at the sculptor's wall with the metals and the shapes and the, and the gold and the copper and the silver, and again, the king says, very good, I'm very impressed. And they look at the tapestry and the multicolors, and the king again says, beautiful, beautiful, you're, you're amazing. The fourth guy pulls away his curtain, and there's a huge mirror. And you look in the mirror and you see all three walls blend together it's uh, the concept was beautiful so the king says very nice and uh, it's time for the awards so to the first three he gives them gold he says you guys worked very hard the fourth one he gives a mirror he says you want to see what they what, you want to see their gold here's mirror so the guy said but come on king mine was so creative the king says it was creative the problem was you weren't using your talent you were using their talent you cannot get credit for just using their talent. God wants you to use your talent, and here comes the music. So, as always, so many people to thank. So, uh, thank you again, our wonderful sponsors and listeners. You know, I couldn't do it without you. Thank you, our wonderful production team today. We got Kelsey, Steven, Alana, Angel back there. Until next week, I'm Rabbi Sweet Jacobson. You've been listening to Let's Talk Toro on NRM Streamcast. And until next week, don't forget to think about it.